Welcome to Maniacally Midwest, a true crime podcast. Well, hello, everybody. We missed you last week, but thanks for hanging in there. We've had lots of craziness going on, and if you guys could see us right now, we are on the struggle bus today, so thank God we don't share video. Uh, (laughs) But welcome to another week of Maniacally Midwest. If you're not familiar with our format, Katie and I each share crimes, and the fun part is when one person shares a crime, the other one has no idea what the premise is, what's going to happen, and we all get to react together. So I'm Chloe, and today I'm going to be listening to Katie's crime, and let's jump right in. Oh, well, hello, lovely listeners. Thank you so much for letting us have a week off. It's been uh, a rough time. Um, A couple of weeks ago, it kind of started, and My grandpa, who was super, super healthy, was working his butt off. He um, was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And then as we found out more information, it's stomach, liver, and pancreas cancer. And it's just been like going from he was working and was perfectly active. I mean, he is old. He's my grandpa. But uh, basically, he's towards the end. They gave him six months tops a couple of weeks ago. It's just been moving kind of fast, so kind of been processing and dealing with that. So I really appreciate your understanding as we've kind of been dealing with that stuff. That being said, this week's is a listener request. I'm going to jump right into it, but this this is going to be really awful. I'm going to give you guys trigger warnings, violence against infants. Um, Uh, There's talk about postpartum, so if you're going through it, if you used to go through it, if that's something that would be triggering for you, I understand, and you should just take a week off and breathe and stay away from this episode. So that being said, I think that kind of sets the picture for what's about to happen, and it's going to be rough. Oh, boy. Super rough. Yes. All right. Alton, Illinois is a city about 25 miles north of St. Louis. It sits in Illinois, right on the Mississippi River, and across the river is the state of Missouri. So actually, Alton is the part that sits in Illinois, but West Alton sits in Missouri, which I'm telling you this because that'll come up later. It has a population of about 25,600, according to the 2020 census. Alton was also the site of the last debate between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas in October 1858. Wow, land of Lincoln, really coming in clutch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there was also a state penitentiary in Alton that was used during the Civil War to hold up to 12,000 Confederate prisoners of war. Oh my goodness. Well, I guess that would make sense because that's pretty far down there if you're all the way by Missouri. So that's got to be, you know, borderline the South. Well, okay, so the thing that gets confusing, if you know anything about like the St. Louis area, like East St. Louis is technically in Illinois, so it's kind of similar to like when I lived in Chattanooga, like Chattanooga city proper is actually in Tennessee. 
But then there's these like outlying cities that basically feel like they're part of Chattanooga, but they're actually sitting in Georgia because it's like right at the border. Oh, yeah. So St. Louis and I've read, I don't know if this is accurate, so I didn't include it. I've read that Alton is considered to be part of the Metro St. Louis area. But I don't, since I'm not from the area, I don't know if a person who's actually from St. Louis would be like, yeah, we consider okay, that or not. Let's do some quick word association. What's the first thing you think of when you think of St. Louis? Um, I was going to say Nellie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I do think of Nellie okay. also. I mean, interestingly enough, I have a connection to this because my Aunt Debbie actually lived in the neighboring town of Bethalto as I was growing up. So Bethalto is right next door to Alton. So I've been, I mean, I maybe was even in Alton. I don't know. As a kid, I thought that Bethalto was St. Louis and it's a small town outside of St. Louis. So I I have no idea where I was. Now I've set the scene. You guys get it. We're back in Illinois and this was a listener request. So if anyone comes at me that again, I'm all up Illinois, but uh, this was requested, so. Not okay. our fault. Sorry, Illinois sketch. Mm-mm. Don't come for us. It is April 29th, 1989 in Alton, Illinois. April 29th. Why do we always pick cases around, like, <laughs> birthdays? I don't think we've done my birthday yet, but we had yours. Yeah. <laughs> it's April 29th, 1989. Happy birthday to your brother, but. Well, he was born in 95, <laughs> to be fair. So this is a few years before him, but. Okay, so he wasn't around. Paula Sims was 30 years old at the time, and she's just heading out around like 10 p.m.-ish to take some trash outside when a masked gunman orders her to go back inside her house. Once she's back inside her house, he struck her in the back of the head, rendering her unconscious. Her husband, Robert Sims, discovered her unconscious as he came in from work. And this is when they realized their six-week-old daughter, Heather Lee, was (gasps) missing. Yeah. Obviously, they called the police, and the house is searched from top to bottom, but the cops come up with nothing. No sign of forced entry, no fingerprints, or even footprints in the house, nothing. I think it was four or five days after she was reported kidnapped, this sweet angel baby's body was found in a trash bag in a trash can in a parking lot near the Mississippi River in West Alton, Missouri. Apparently, thanks to witnesses at the park, The time this trash bag was put into the can was somewhere between 10.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. the day that they found it. So that's kind of good that this was a heavy traffic area because they can narrow down the time frame that this body was placed there like it wasn't immediately after she was kidnapped. The cause of death was asphyxiation. I guess there are some telltale signs when – the way I understood it is that when a baby is Mm -hmm. asphyxiated and – if someone were to put their hand over their mouth and nose, I guess like the bone inside their gums causes like little lacerations inside Aww. their lip. So that that was the indicator that that's kind of what they assumed happened to the body. Um, at this point, the police focused their investigation on Paula and Robert, which seems like just regular police work to cross off those closest yeah, to the victim. Absolutely. But Chloe, are you buckled up? I'm getting buckled. Are you ready for me to blow your balls off? This is the second time that Paula and Robert have called the police because a masked gunman broke into their house and kidnapped their infant daughter. Uh, Yes. Yes. 
is <laughs> the worst news I've heard in a very long time. Yeah. So we're going to rewind before we go forward. In June of 1986, Robert and Paula lived near Brighton, Illinois, which is about 12 miles north of Alton. So kind of the same area, but a different house. It's June 17th, and Paula is in the basement with her 13-day-old daughter, Lorelai. Oh my god, you guys. Her husband was again at work when a masked gunman came in and made her lie on the floor and grab the baby, and he got the hell out of Dodge. (sighs) (laughs) Why? 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 (laughs) I just... I accidentally pressed the FN button on my computer as I was typing up my, like, presentation. And it asked me if I wanted to, like, dictate it in. I had to pass because I think that I would have been screaming into the computer, like, what the hell? So, anyways, Paula realized as he left that he had taken the baby. And she ran out into the driveway. I guess she then, after she was in the driveway, she ran to the neighbor's house, Don and Minnie Gray. It was like about 10 p.m. It was late. They were older, and they were watching the news when she like came up frantic. She told them how the gunman showed up. He said he would kill her and took the baby, and she ran after him, but she just saw the shadowy figure about 75 feet down the driveway running, and he was gone. She didn't know where he went, just disappeared. Don called the police. And Paula went home to call Robert at work. Minnie was worried that her house wasn't safe, so she ran after Paula and Robert's house because she was like, oh my God, like someone was just there. You shouldn't be going back alone. So as Minnie came up to the Sims house, she saw Paula was on the phone telling Robert fr- frantically that someone stole my baby. As Minnie opened the door into the house, the Sims had a collie named Shadow that ran outside. And Minnie was trying to like get the dog back yeah. inside. And Paula ran outside and got her and said, I just lost my baby. I can't lose you too. Which Minnie was like, yeah, um, weird. And I guess Minnie was like, how did someone get inside the house? And Paula had said she locked the screen door before going downstairs into the basement. But Minnie noticed a cut in the screen door by the handle. But she also kind of wondered where was Shadow during well, this exactly. whole thing. Because I don't know if you do you know that much about dogs, about collies specifically? I mean, they're like high energy. They're like sheep herding dogs. Like they're. They're like super. They're known to be like a barking breed. They're like very visually like. I was going to say turned on. That's not what I mean. (laughs) I don't know the word I'm looking for. But like basically a leaf blowing would cause them to bark. Any kind of movement. They're like very barky. We have a collie down the road from us. My aunt and uncle. A different aunt and uncle had like a collie or a collie mix. The second anyone was around, the dog was barking yeah. its head off. I guess Paula's response was, oh, I don't know, maybe somewhere else in the house. Like just kind right. of weird. Not adding up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At this point, Paula was searching the house again for Lorelai. And Minnie was in the basement and looked in the bassinet. And she noticed that the bassinet where the baby was taken from, like the blanket was just like folded there, like tidy and neat. It didn't look like someone had just snatched a baby out of it. Super weird. Shout outs to Minnie though, in this situation for like having the wherewithal to be even like sketched out. Cause I don't know, like in those like high stress, high adrenaline situations, like my brain doesn't always work. So 
Well, that's true. So Robert ended up leaving work following Paula's call. Mm -hmm. This part is super weird. I don't even know what to say about this. I include it because it doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but it's like really, really weird. So he leaves work. He drives home from work, except for he doesn't drive home. 15 minutes after he left, he goes to a friend's house and he's like, I can't drive any further. I'm so stressed out. I need you to drive me the rest of the way. That is super weird. Like you, you think your kid got kidnapped and you're like, you know what? I'm going to drive to my friend's house, knock on their door, explain to them the situation. I mean, I probably would have driven through like every single yard in town to like shortcut yeah, it home. <laughs> During this time, the police had arrived at the Sims house and they start interviewing Paula. And her description is a man in a mask, about like six feet tall ish, medium build, deep voice. Okay, thanks for that, Paula. Great, great, dis- yeah. great description. <laughs> she also couldn't like describe the gun color, black versus silver, or revolver versus like semi-auto. Her description is kind of useless. Yeah. Uh, granted, I don't know if I'm in that situation. Like, all of a sudden, there's just someone there. Am I? going to be able to compile like i've watched like the forensic files or like 24 hours or 48 hours later or whatever thing and they do say that a lot of times in stressful situations it's almost impossible to get in like an eyewitness description that is pretty accurate so maybe i'm just we'll give her the benefit of the doubt for that portion yeah the police are also during this time noticing it's like a four inch like l-shaped tear in the screen that Minnie had noticed And while this is all going on, Robert shows up and the police observe Robert coming in and behaving somewhat coldly to Paula, like not consoling her, just kind of he's there. That's it. And they were kind of um, weirded out by this. Paula says to Robert in front of the police, I'm so sorry I disappointed you. And he says, you didn't. And she said, yes, I did. You were disappointed when Lorelai was a girl and I disappointed you because I didn't stop the man from taking her. Oh my God. And Robert looked pretty pissy and he ended up whispering something to her. The police didn't hear what he said, but she didn't say anything else. <laughs> Probably told her to shut her trap. Uh, yeah. Sketch. Robert mentions to the police that a light blue Ford Falcon had been parked by the pond next to their house when he left for work at 8.30 p.m. So he was like a shift worker. So a lot of the times he was working okay, night shift and then wondering. he'd be asleep during. Yeah. He also mentions that they have been getting harassing hang up phone calls on their unlisted phone number since Lorelai had been born. And he also mentions that some guy in like a, I think it was a green pickup truck showed up and asked if he could fish in the pond and that Robert was like, no, you're not allowed to do that. And the guy was annoyed and Robert claims this guy drove across his like yard because he was pissed. I mean, I don't don't know that I would draw a connection between like, oh yeah, I can't fish here. Guess who's not going to have a kid Yeah, that's a little aggressive. He says all this stuff, whatever. Police were not screwing around. The descriptions of Lorelai were all over the news, as well as what little of a description Paula had given them about the abductor. Paula and Robert voluntarily took polygraph tests 
Mm, Robert made a point to say they passed the test with flying colors to clear any doubts anyone might have. The Jersey County authorities begged to differ. They were like, hmm. Actually, all of the questions were answered not truthfully oh by them. Oh, my God. According to the polygraph examiner, but okay. Well, shout-outs to Robert for um, trying to make some PR moves there, though. Well, yeah. Uh, the police had brought dogs there, but the dogs picked up no scent in the house, in the driveway, anywhere on the property of this random abductor person. Perfect. Yeah. About a week later, the skeletal remains of an infant were found about 100 feet behind their house. Since it was skeletal yeah. remains, there couldn't be a cause of death that could be determined. And based on the DNA that they could pull, the medical examiners were like 97% sure it was Lorelai. Oh Which, I mean, yeah, that's not 100% identification. But I feel like that is a pretty good... I mean, technically, when you get like a parental DNA test, isn't it like 99-something? Yeah. It's not ever 100% right. match, right? There was evidence that animals had been messing with the remains. There were, like, bite marks on the bones, and I guess they weren't all, like, next to each other exactly. Oh. I don't know how far spread that means they were. I, like, wrote it, but I just, like, kind of tried to write it and not yeah. think about it. It was near the top of a ravine that was pretty wooded. Mm -hmm. So no clothing was found, and the way it looked like was that the baby was thrown into oh this room yeah it, this is horrifying again i am so sorry everyone i like i had to read this write this and then prepare myself to retell this i literally feel like my face is on fire i don't feel well <laughs> so and i'm only laughing because i'm very uncomfortable i'm not laughing because this is funny i'm just Super uncomfortable. I feel like my temperature is like 105. Yeah, that's horrifying. Police were trying to figure out like what the crap happened and trying to do reenactments and everything. So Paula had said that the guy was 75 feet down their driveway when she ran right. out after him. And based on these reenactments, they were like, it would be physically impossible for this person to run 100 feet behind their house, throw this baby, and then have like ran the opposite direction and made it 75 feet down the driveway in the time that she was Definitely. out there. Also, why would a kidnapper break into a house, take nothing except for the baby, but then also immediately throw it down a ravine? Right. I feel like that is a super weird portion of this that it's on their property as well. Yeah. So I guess, <laughs> I guess Paula had an explanation it was that this person came, took the baby, ran. She saw them running down the driveway. At this point, she says he must have still had the baby. So then he returned later to throw the baby in the ravine. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm, yeah, not really, especially considering that there were police there immediately following. I don't think the house was just like left empty like, mm, yeah, we'll see. But there was just not any real evidence to prove that she did this to the baby. Obviously the police were like, yeah, no. Right. But there, there wasn't anything that they could charge them with. Oh my God. Obviously when this lady has the exact same story, but a different house, <sighs> this is going to make people think like, yeah, the hell. 
you moved and yet the exact same situation happened to you. Like the kidnapper was so desperate to get to your babies that they figured out your forwarding address, but also know exactly when you have another kid so they can snatch it again. That's pretty sketchy. Now, I hate to do this to you again, Chloe, but do you have any balls left from part one? Okay, well then, I guess you're not in danger, because if there was some left, I was about to blow them right off. So this kidnapper's, like, stalking Paula's reproduction is, like, pretty crazy, right? What's even crazier is that between Lorelai and Heather Lee, Paula and Robert actually had another kid. What? A boy named Randall in 1988. He was upstairs in the house the day Heather Lee was taken, but he wasn't touched. So why would the kidnapper not have visited them in 88? And even more so, why was this other kid left alone when he visited to go kidnap Heather Lee? Listen, if you guys really didn't want girls that bad, I feel like there's a whole lot of ways. I mean, Katie and I very recently have had the discussions about gender selection, okay? You can go get your sperm shaken up. And they can sort out the boys from the girls. Somebody maybe should have discussed that with them. Well, this was the late 80s, so I'm not sure that was a choice. I mean, I think it's been around for a while. I don't know. Well, I also wonder what was the price take for that. But yeah. Anyways, I guess you picked up on this a lot sooner. I was just like, what is happening? I didn't even think about the fact that like, oh, it's just the girls that this happened to. Okay. I'm not really sure. A thing that goes into like researching these cases is I read through a lot of stuff. I listen to a lot of stuff. I watch a lot of stuff. And sometimes you find one source that says one thing and then you find others that say something different. So I'm just putting this out there. I'm not 100% sure that this is true or if it is something that people added to sensationalize this case. But I also feel like it's kind of worth mentioning because I think that it's possible that it is true. They said when Robert came home and found Paula on the floor, that the first thing he did was rush upstairs to check on the baby boy before coming back downstairs to see where the newborn Mm -hmm. was. And, okay, am I crazy or is that weird that three years after your infant daughter is kidnapped and then you find a similar situation Your first thought isn't to, first of all, check the floor that you're already on, like you're already on that floor, but also check the newborn baby because the last time this happened, it was the newborn baby. that is super weird. Before we keep going forward, I kind of want to address something that's weird and I'm not sure if you picked up on. So Lorelai and Paula were in the basement of the first house, right? And this time, Heather Lee and Paula were on the main floor. There was this weird dynamic that with these infant daughters, Robert wanted them to sleep in a separate area from himself. But that rule didn't apply for Randall, the baby boy. I don't know what the crap that's about. I guess initially I didn't think it was that weird. But now that I am thinking about it, it's even weirder because if he worked usually third shift and was gone at night... Why why would they have to even be on a different floor, number one? I guess at first I didn't think it was strange because if Heather is on the main floor, I don't know if she's formula feeding Mm -hmm. or what, but when I had both of my kids, we have a two-story house, and 
some of the times it was nicer to just be on the main floor instead of having to go up and down. I had C-sections, so stairs are not super fun initially. No, I think... So I didn't think about it. Well, especially when they're newborns, it's like you're up like every couple hours feeding them, no matter like how you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like that's just... And in the middle of the night, when you're sleeping for, you know, two hours at a time, you don't want to be running up and down. It's like you're in zombie mode. As little movement as possible is preferable. Well, I mean, it's the main reason that a lot of people choose to co-sleep is because they're like, they wake up a million times. I don't want to get up, go back down, get up, go back down. So I kind of understand it from that sense. But... I guess the reason why I think it's weird is Paula also mentioned it to some of her friends that she didn't like this sleeping arrangement and something was going to change about it. So I don't think that it was something that was like for my convenience. It was like he said, this is what I'm going to have to do. Robert was also thrilled with his son's birth and people noticed at the hospital with both of his daughter's births that he didn't really seem that interested. This guy sounds like a D-bag. Yeah, and kind of to go a little bit deeper into him um, and his background, he was invited by the Navy to not re-enlist. <laughs> and the reason was, <laughs> yeah, and the reason was because of his garbage attitude towards the Navy. Wow, you have to have a really piss poor attitude to straight up have them be like, no, like don't come back. Because I feel like the military is pretty lenient. Like, they will take anybody and everybody that's willing to be there. I thought that just the only way that you can't be in it is, like, if you break the rules or go AWOL or whatever. But, no, they were like, yeah, we invite you to never come back here. Oh, my God. (laughs) Additionally, Robert, following this, was asked to quit or be fired from a job at a bank where he was harassing a female employee. He was making harassing phone calls, harassing her while she was at work. Like he would dump like soda in her desk drawers. I think they even said he vandalized her car. What a weirdo. And there wasn't even really a reason for it. People did notice that he hated taking orders from like females that were above him. How did this dude even find somebody to like marry him or like bang him? Well, oh. Okay, interestingly enough, he was actually married once before, and she left him because he was too domineering. First wife knew what was up. Paula, you bitch. Well, and I don't know how true this is, but at his next job, he was said to have put a used condom in a cockroach in a female co-worker's sandwich. I don't even really know how to address that. That's... I don't I don't either. Let's just leave that and move forward. I mean, really, the most concerning part about that is just like procuring a cockroach and a used condom. That means that's just that's a lot of effort. I don't know. Maybe it was like he had a weekend. There was a treasure hunt. You know I, what I mean? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. We're just gonna get away <laughs> from that. It's gross. Back to Heather yeah. Lee's body. Thankfully, since she was found four days after and it wasn't just skeletal remains. Um, as I mentioned, the MEs were able to determine a cause of death and that they were even able to tell that her body was frozen and that her time of death was three to four days prior to oh the discovery. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this part, I mean, it's not interesting in that I'm entertained by this, but I, I'm always interested in the science behind how they can 
like track down like time of death and know what happened between mm-hmm. death and then. So I guess an indicator that she was frozen was that she didn't have rigor mortis. Oh. So if you if you freeze a body shortly after death, but prior to it setting in, then following it, it would either lack it or not have it at all because the rigor mortis is like when your body stiffens right. up after death. They knew that something had happened to interfere with that, like mm-hmm. being frozen. In addition to that, there was a bunch of coloring on the baby's like face and front. And that indicated that following death that she was lying on her face. But when she was discovered in the trash can, she was face up. So she hadn't been like asphyxiated there and like tossed in because the pooling of the blood in her body indicated that wherever she was killed following it, she was face down. Additionally, the decomposition of her skin was slowed down by the freezing. However, the internal organs were at a more advanced stage of decomposition. And the reason for that is the outside freezes first and it takes the inside longer to freeze. So like basically her internal organs had a chance to decompose a little bit more than the outside. All of this feels super, super shitty and gut-wrenching to write and even worse to read. Um, I think that a big contributing factor to that is I have two daughters. I was going to say, we're both girl moms, by the way, and they're amazing. So he clearly missed out. (laughs) Well, exactly. And secondly, because one of my kids is the baby and the thought of someone killing something like so defenseless is what I think earns you probably the hottest spot in hell. Oh, for sure. But past that, even the way the bodies were disposed of, like literally like garbage, hurts my soul. It's really just horrifying. I don't know how else to explain it. It's so sad. Thankfully, this utter disregard would be the culprit's undoing. So the trash bag that Heather Lee was inside of actually belonged to a role that was still inside the Sims house. So apparently using forensic science, they could figure out when the bags were made. They could figure out based on like perforations, you know, how you like you rip apart the bags that they belonged to the ones that were still inside the Sims house. What fucking idiots. (laughs) I guess according to Paula, she would say the mask intruder broke in, grabbed the trash bag, suffocated her, froze her body and then dumped her. It's also interesting because when she was attacked by this masked gunman, she was taking out the trash. Yeah. Kind of makes you wonder... If there were parts of the story that well, were true. exactly. She was doing something with the trash bag. But Paula and Robert were at the police station to do interviews. And the police used that opportunity to search their house without them realizing nice. it. So that they could be able to confirm the trash bag's match. As well as they wanted to check out their freezer. Oh my god, yeah. During this time following finding Heather Lee's body... It was like reporters were swarming the Sims house because this was big news. And also, they weren't living that far away from the original spot. The area knew about it. So this was a huge thing. And as the reporters and people in the community saw the police breaking a window to go in there to search it while they were gone, the reporters were like the crowd. Everyone was cheering. Oh, my God. So it wasn't just the police that thought they they like did it. The community all did too. The police informed Robert in the interview room that the search was happening mm-hmm. at their house. And then he goes into this thing and he says some crap like, oh, he never wanted to believe Paula had anything to do with this. But if she really did kill them, it wasn't on purpose. She just needed psychological help. Robert is the worst. <laughs> Good old Rob also threw in that Paula had her parents' house keys and that they were out of town when this happened. 
So maybe Heather's body could have been frozen there and also disposed of it in the trash that she could have done all this while he was asleep. Oh my God. Basically he's saying that she like pulled like a shell game with Heather Lee until she could finally like dispose of her, like their freezer moved it there, moved it here. Then because her parents came back during all of this and obviously there wasn't a baby in there. Robert sucks. He really okay. does. I feel like, I mean, we haven't gotten to this part yet. I'm assuming that him and Paula are equally guilty, but I feel like she would not have come to these conclusions without him being the ringleader, and he's like the absolute worst for then also just throwing her under the bus immediately. I won't get into this whole thing. I don't know what to say. <laughs> he goes on to say, uh, okay, I don't know why he said this and I want to throw up repeating it but he goes on to say that a couple days after Heatherly had gone missing or I don't know if it's gone missing or was found that they had the best and longest lasting sex they've had in a long time why 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 (laughs) just why why Why? how is that pertinent in any way like I don't I don't know that I don't know another weird story is that while Paula was in the maternity ward Uh with Heather. She was asked by her roommate what happened to Lorelai. I'm assuming Paula said something about the other daughter Mm -hmm. who passed away. And Paula told her the story of Heather's kidnapping, not Lorelai. What a fucking idiot. Because the difference is like, oh, they're in a basement. Someone comes in, makes her lay on the floor. This one is I was taking out the trash and I was like karate chopped in the back of the freaking head or whatever. So prior to Heather's kidnapping... She told the story of what she planned to say, but for the wrong kid. Oh, that's horrible. She is a... I don't even have words. I mean, I do, but I don't know that I'm supposed to say them on a podcast. (laughs) Um, Paula was arrested, and her bail was set for $100,000, and her dad bailed her out. So her bail was $10,000, and he paid it. Listen, he shouldn't have done that. (laughs) No, he shouldn't have. Paula pled not guilty and she ended up being convicted of heather's murder but they weren't able to convict her of lorelei's murder and she was sentenced to life in prison with no problem after she was convicted for heather's murder she did admit in 1990 to killing lorelei she explained that she was suffering from postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis that made her murder her Mm. babies but again why was it just girls she had a son and he survived her yeah I don't, I try to stay away. Like I'll quote people when it's necessary, but I don't really honestly want to quote Robert or Paula. So I'll just kind of indirectly shorten up what she said, that the reason that she wanted to do this confession is to bring awareness to these things. These are real issues and she's not a monster. Okay. Cool story, bro. A big re- the thing with that, too, <laughs> is if she's already telling, I mean, I'm not an expert in this. Okay, I've only had one kid. But if you're telling the story of how you're going to murder this child immediately following the birth, I don't know how long it takes for the depression to set in, but this definitely sounds like premeditated. Oh, what an astute observation yeah. you've made. Yeah. Postpartum depression is diagnosed approximately in 15% of women following childbirth and psychosis is super rare it's like 0.1 percent or 0.2 percent of people postpartum depression is real i don't know like why paula is having to say this like anyone's like what 
I thought that was made up. I thought that was part of Power <laughs> Rangers. I didn't personally suffer from postpartum depression, but I did have postpartum anxiety, which is kind of in the family of postpartum mm-hmm. things. Okay, if you are in the midst of postpartum depression, and this can like come into play not even immediately following birth. It can be like a year or two after you've had a child that you can suffer from yeah. postpartum. You are not alone. You obviously are not a sociopath who is willing to murder your baby. Yeah. We can include a link in show notes to resources if you feel like you're struggling with postpartum because no one wants to see an ending like this. No. However, and this is a big however, she's trying to claim insanity, essentially. Although she did have the opportunity to claim insanity for her defense during the trial, and she chose to pick innocence that she didn't do it. I just want to point that out. She's trying to essentially claim a form of insanity that would be like, I was insane in that second. I was postpartum. Now I'm okay. So doesn't count, which I think is the biggest load of horseshit. I think that this is a huge cop out. She repeatedly, like typically, when we have heard of people who have unfortunately killed their children because of a mental issue or postpartum, there isn't this acknowledgement like, oh, shit, I should not have done this. This was bad. But she concocted these stories Mm -hmm. twice. And she repeatedly claimed that she was innocent. She never came out and said, hey, I did this. I don't know. I was suffering. I don't know what happened. Even if she didn't have a name for it, like she's trying to say that she discovered in jail that that's what she was suffering from. Yikes. And usually also, if you have postpartum psychosis, typically you already suffer from like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. Those are typically the people that are in that small percentage that then end up having postpartum psychosis, which she didn't have any of those diagnoses. Okay. No, I think she's full of shit. I would love to kick her in the crotch. And here's another person that I would have loved to kick in the crotch. Robert didn't get anything. Shut up. He went on his merry way and nothing ever happened to him. They didn't charge him with anything? That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's also interesting that she never came out and said that he... Coerced. Yeah. Did anything. Like, she, she never threw him under the bus. So I don't know what exactly happened. In these situations, but I do think that he did something. His like him giving the information on a car the first time and clues and stuff. To me, that all seems made yeah. up. Yeah, no, I don't think he was an innocent bystander by any means. I feel like minimally he let her know that he hates girls, and she did this in some sense of loyalty yeah. to him. But I also think that the he thinks that the sex thing is a nail in her coffin specifically. But it seems pretty weird to me. That he didn't care about Heather as much as Paula didn't. Because when he says that we had the best sex, how how does he know that she had that? Like, that's a thing. Like, it's your point of view. That you. Uh, exactly. Well, and your kid was missing again. Yeah, how? that's what I was just going to say. You also, I would imagine, would be in some kind of emotional turmoil. I mean... Don't get me wrong, grief happens in weird ways for everybody, but I do feel like that's a very strange comment. Yeah, I I think that he thought he was saying something about her, but I think it also is very telling about how little he gave a crap also. While Paula's in prison, she was requesting clemency hearings, and at one of them in 2006... 
her son Randall, who would have been 18 at the time, actually argued against her release. Well, that's what I was wondering is what happened to Randall. Did he stay with his dad? Yeah. That scares me too. Well, yeah. So as far as my deep suspicion that Robert played a role in these murders, minimally that he was an accessory after the fact and worst case scenario, him actually participating in it, that will never be known. Because in 2015, Robert and Randall were killed in a drunk driving accident in Mississippi. Oh, my God. Driver Yolanda McNeely rear-ended their Jeep, and it flipped off an I-55 overpass, and they died at the scene. Oh, my goodness. Yolanda was charged with two counts of DUI death and a felony charge of leaving the scene of the accident because she got out of there and ended up crashing her car like at the next exit or whatever. So Randall and Robert were headed to Pass Christian where they were going to do missionary work. By all accounts, Randall seemed like he was a good person. So it's really, really sad that his life was basically just enveloped by tragedy and death. He was 27 at the time of the accident and Robert was 63. Oh my goodness. You thought I was done. What? But wait, there's more. (laughs) This is the gift that keeps on giving anxiety. In March of 2021, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, granted Paula a commutation that made her eligible for parole. I know that she had submitted the request for commutation earlier under Rob Blagojevich. So it's been out there for a while. Come on, Pritzker. Even Blagojevich, which I'm not sure if you guys remember good old Roddy. He was batshit crazy. He was a governor of Illinois who was found guilty of public corruption after he tried to accept bribes to fill Barack Obama's Senate seat as he became president. Oh, my God. But even Blagojevich was like, yeah, no, she's seriously after needs to stay locked up. So what the crap's going on, Pritzker? That's very concerning. Uh, Yeah. In November of 2021, she was granted parole by the Illinois Prisoner Review Board. What the F? That pisses me off. Uh, Not just you. The former Madison County Assistant State's Attorney Don Weber, the guy who originally tried Uh her in 90, thinks that the... The board was conned and is full of morons. Like, legitimately, he is on the record calling them nitwits and the people who support her urban bumpkins. Oh my god, I <laughs> so, love him. Me That's too. so funny. I was real mad at somebody one time and I called them a simpleton. And so, I, what did he say? Urban bumpkins? I like that. Yeah. No, it's good. He was kind of neutral to whether or not she should be paroled. Because the last time he saw her was in 1990. He doesn't know what the crap she's up to, like if she's changed. But the reason that he's so pissed is because the argument made to the parole board was that postpartum depression was not fully understood. And now it would be a mitigating factor to sentencing, which Weber's like, no, we knew about postpartum depression in 1990. We looked deeply into it. She didn't have it. Well, and it didn't seem like she was really like claiming that, like you said, she was, she claimed like her innocence. It wasn't like she said, oh, this is why I did it. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that he says is he's like, she had a dream team of lawyers. She had the option of pleading insanity. They chose to plead innocent instead. And in addition to this, Paula, after the fact, has gone to authors and told them that she did not suffocate the girls. She actually drowned them in their bath. Oh, my. Yeah, but that's bullshit. Because there isn't an ME that wouldn't see a difference in the cause of death between suffocation and drowning. Absolutely. So she's still lying. She's still just making up stuff. 
Christmas. I mean, I don't know what the point of that is, but in the end, the review board decision was 12 to 1 that she be paroled. Weber is also super pissed because the current attorney, Tom Hain, didn't fight this enough. No one from his office attended the hearing on the 28th. They didn't reach out to Weber to find out extra information that they could specifically argue the points that the defense team was making to the parole board and that these claims should have just been stomped out immediately. That's bullshit. I am going to go off for one second. And if you are of the gentle spirit, you might want (laughs) to hop off here right now because I'm going to say some unkind words. Then again, if you've made it this far, I think that you can handle a few swear words because the other stuff was pretty yeah. rough. So Paula says that she is bringing awareness to postpartum depression. Bitch, I think not. You had the wherewithal to do a lot of stuff that a person suffering this much wouldn't have been no. able to do. But also, what kind of awareness are you bringing? That a mom might have postpartum and murder well, their children. Well, exactly. What's your stance on this? I don't think anybody should respect her as a person or as an activist. I have struggled in some aspect with postpartum, not the depression side of it, but with the anxiety. And the way that you want people to handle mental issues is that you should have the thought process that it's the same thing as going to the doctor for an ear infection or a cold or whatever. It's something going, your mind is part of your body. Go up and talk to someone. But when you are doing this shit and being such a bitch, am I going to want to go get help from someone if all of a sudden I feel like, does this mean that I'm crazy? Because she clearly is bad shit crazy. I don't want to feel like I'm going crazy and not like I'm just suffering a little blip in time and everything will go back to normal. So (laughs) she is not encouraging anyone to come forward and get help by her being the spokesperson of this. I, she is the world's biggest asshole. So this case was a lot for me. Um, any case that involves a mom not doing everything to protect her kids is really hard for me. I've read cases where moms drowned their babies or microwaved them because the devil was in them. But their response is more like, yeah, I did that. I had to. Right. They didn't make a kidnapper up. I have rewritten this thing multiple times. And I was writing things that I wish happened to her. <laughs> I I don't remember which case I wished that someone would have jalapeno-soaked toilet paper. That's a good one. Some of my wishes for her were not appropriate whatsoever. Some were darkly humorous. (laughs) But the one I finally landed on for her is something that I think I heard in the South, where they are so sweetly aggressive. The whole bless your heart thing where they're calling you a dumbass. So, Paula... If you're out there, you're out now. I hope you have the day that you deserve. And I hope that the same compassion and caring you showed those two angel babies is shown to you. There it is. The end. I'm going to go cry scream into my pillow now. So That was a lot. That was a rough one. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Um, a, the final thing that I kind of want to get into with you guys Thank you so much for supporting us and listening to us every week. We really appreciate it. After you listen to this, 
hop on, give us a five-star review, give us a rating. But also with the stuff kind of going on, at least somewhat temporarily, we're going to be bumping back down to just one episode a week. I mean, I get it. You guys are dying to hear my voice. So, well, sorry. But we really appreciate your understanding and your support. It means a lot to us. We love doing this. So, obviously, we don't want to fall off the earth completely. But it's just a lot going on right now. And so, we're going to kind of take a step back and ease up on the workload a little bit so that we can keep doing it instead of having to take breaks. So... Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week. I'll be presenting a case. And in the meantime, if you want to see pictures of everybody involved in all of our cases, head on over to our Instagram, at Maniacally Midwest. And like Katie said, feel free to leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Yeah, thanks, guys, so much. Bye. Bye.